0: Welcome to Life in Purple, providing you with the latest from women entrepreneurs, amazing mums, human interest stories, and celebrity guests. Your host, Laura Sprague, discusses women's topics such as success, empowerment, perseverance, lifestyle, and much more. Laura also offers a fun and unique perspective, while providing listeners with valuable tips on how to successfully conquer the many issues women may face. Come experience your life in purple. And now, here's your host, the life coach with the most, Laura Sprague. Hello Lip Talk Nation. Welcome to Life in Purple. I'm your host, Lara Sprague, and thank you so much for listening to this very special episode. We are several episodes in. We have interviewed many phenomenal guests from Jamie Vrenios who wrote the book Warrior Magnificent, who teaches people how to walk in love. And we've had Amanda Rupley, who is raising awareness for autoimmune diseases and is a survivor of lupus. And, of course, we've had Amber Chin, who is taking her pain to bless others and help people conquer grief. These are just a few inspiring guests we've had, and we have many, many more to come. With your help, we've reached many milestones within iTunes. Our show has thousands of plays, and we are gaining tons of traction. Honestly, I couldn't be happier with the success of Life in Purple. Similarly, I am a member of the music team at my church, and I get to sing. I have been very active in networking groups, and I am blessed with a wonderful marriage with two happy kids. But, it's time for me to get something off my chest. So, bottom line, Lip Talk Nation, life is great. But, a while back, I was asked if I was always energetic and extroverted, and the answer is no. I haven't always been this way. In fact, much of my success has only been in the last five years, so really... Life is just beginning. So now maybe you are wondering, if Laura, you are so extroverted now, why weren't you before? Well, today I want to share with you my story, not only for myself, but also to let you know that if I can overcome something like this, then so can you. Because this story is so impactful, I felt it best to break it down into five parts. Part one is the naked truth. Part two is a downward spiral. Part three is titled, It Gets Worse Before It Gets Better. Part four is called forgiveness. It's not for them, it's for me. And lastly, part five is The Healing Begins. Part one, the naked truth. It all started to weigh on me when I was 20 years old. I remember I was talking with a friend and the conversation got a little deep. I was talking with a friend about a topic, well, a topic that may be taboo to you, but is actually quite prevalent and happens more than you think, and that topic was about child molestation. There we were talking about our childhood, and that's when I realized I was a victim of child molestation. Immediately, emotions and memories flooded my soul. I remember trying to be brave and let my friend know that I was okay, but deep down inside I began to replay what happened to me over and over again. It was in that very moment when I said the words, that happened to me too, that the negative voice inside began to control me. I'm not good enough. It's my fault. I deserved it. These were just some of the many negative things I began to tell myself. And I just want to point out here, Lip Talk Nation, that those were all lies. Five years old? How many times did it happen? And to let you all know, I really can't recall how many times. I don't even remember how old I was when it stopped. But I do know the day I first told someone was the day my confidence was shaken. Insecurity set in, and I no longer could go on being happy, Lara. I quickly stopped believing in myself and the words, don't tell anyone, kept playing over and over again. Just moments before, I thought I had a normal childhood. Just moments before, I felt good. And just moments before, I thought all was well in my world. It was in this very moment my mind and feelings began to disconnect. I wanted to go back to feeling like nothing had happened. Believe me, I tried, and tried, and tried. I almost convinced myself that nothing happened to me, but I no longer could suppress this childhood tragedy. I honestly didn't know how to cope. I tried ignoring it, which I believe is what many people do. Now, I want to point out something here. Statistics say that one in four girls are a victim of child molestation, and one in six boys are a victim. This is is huge. That means this is happening all the time. And now I'm wondering why there isn't more awareness out there. Now Lip Talk Nation, I want you to know that this isn't a podcast about child molestation or sexual abuse, but it is about me being vulnerable about a tragedy that many people face and how I was able to overcome it. And I want all of you who have been through something similar, like a loss of a loved one, maybe you were in an accident and now disabled, or even rape, or you've had physical abuse, you can overcome this tragedy as well. Now the journey has been long, and it has been hard, only because I didn't want to deal with it. The easy thing to me was to ignore it or pretend like it didn't happen. But let me tell you how that worked out for me. Part 2. A Downward Spiral So there I was, 20 years old, blocked out this tragedy for many years. Now the cat was out of the bag. All of a sudden, I'm contemplating, where do I go from here? Maybe you're also thinking the same. How can you recover from this? Or you're curious how I recovered from this. I understand all too well how you feel. With any tragedy that has been suppressed, the feelings and emotions are very similar. When you let this kind of information out of the bag, most often times you barely want to exist. And that's exactly what happened to me. There's no turning back. I wanted to go back, but reality wouldn't let me. I started to question what real happiness was. So I mentioned that my mind and feelings disconnected and I want to describe to you what that looked like for me. This is the part of my life where I got really good at not letting people know that anything was wrong with me. No one noticed my smile changed and no one noticed the pain in my eyes and no one noticed I began to throw up a little every time I ate at least in the beginning. I wasn't trying to hide it. In fact, it was a gradual thing for me. Certain foods were my trigger, and then it led to everything. Now, surprisingly enough, I didn't always throw up all the food I ate. Sometimes I did, and sometimes I didn't, which made it really easy for me to hide this physically because I wasn't losing weight very fast That's why I was able to hide it. When I mentioned I wasn't trying to hide it, I'm dead serious. I knew something wasn't right, so I called my mom and I told her. She was definitely concerned, but I was trying to stay positive and say maybe I was eating something I was allergic to, which is what I started telling my friends. To them, I still had the same enthusiasm and the same smile, I would excuse myself from the dinner table or whatever meal we were at and go to the restroom and throw up. And when I would come back from the restroom, I would say, "Uh, I think I'm allergic to something. Still, with a smile on my face, I threw up. Do you see the disconnection from my mind and feelings? I was feeling one way, but telling myself I was okay. The downward spiral continued. Now, most of you listening already know that I love music, and I love singing. So during this time, I was part of a singing group that got to travel. Woohoo! I was doing what I loved. But still, I battled this unknown condition, throwing up but not doing it on purpose thing. Now, when you travel with a small group of people, you can't hide certain things. This was one I couldn't hide. The people I traveled were amazing people. They were concerned for me just as much as my parents were. They prayed for me and tried to find resolution for me. I thank God for the support I did have with this music group because oftentimes I would throw up in the parking lot right before we got on the van to travel. I even recall throwing up in a plastic bag while traveling on the van. I mean... If I'm throwing up in front of people, isn't it obvious that I wasn't doing it on purpose? I'm telling you, Lip Talk Nation, the disconnect from my mind and feelings were strong. At one point, I was on a prayer chain because I got tired of throwing up so much. I thought it would be better to eat as little as possible. Now, this is when I began to lose weight, all the while still convincing myself, I'm okay. I did reach out to my mom again when I felt like I was losing control. In search of help, I thought there would be a solution. If you're going through something like this, you may realize they don't have all the answers. I was told I needed to see the doctor. So test after test and prescription after prescription, the only result was that I was still throwing up. And at one point... I was prescribed a depressant to see if that would calm my stomach down. Well, it didn't. It just made me not care I was throwing up. I was losing nutritional value from lack of food, you know, and I was also not gaining nutritional value because I would throw up. My skin started to turn gray. Dark circles began to form under my eyes, and I couldn't recall things. Even simple things. And as you can imagine, I couldn't be in the singing group any longer, and I wasn't able to function for classes. So, I left to school for a semester. Even though when I left school, the majority of people thought I had mono. That's how good I hid things from the majority of people. Even my teachers didn't believe me when I told them I had to leave school for a while because I was sick. It was a shock to most when they found out I was leaving. At this point, Lip Talk Nation, you need to know that if someone tells me I can't do something that just fuels my fire to prove them wrong, you can tell I have a bit of a fighter spirit inside of me. And that's exactly what happened. I was told if I left school that I wouldn't come back. So something sparked inside of me to prove them wrong and I decided it was time to take action. At least for a while this is when I was introduced to a nutritionist if you will and I was put on a very strict regimen to detox and add nutrition back into my body and I'm not going to mention how many herbs I took or capsules you wouldn't believe me if I told you but all I am saying is that I needed to get my mind back to a functioning state wouldn't you know the mind is powerful I decided to get better. I had to train my body to not throw up anymore. I had to tell myself that nutrition is good for me. I only missed a semester of school and was able to go back and finish college and got my music degree. Now, I didn't deal with my past. I just didn't want to be sick anymore. So that's what I focused on. I focused on not throwing up. After I finished college, I really didn't know what I was supposed to do. I was under the impression after you finished college, you got married. There was only one problem with that. I didn't have a boyfriend. Now let me mention here that I had dated several guys. It's not like I secluded myself from men altogether, but at this point, no man. So there goes that. Well, like any other college graduate who doesn't know what to do after they graduate, I moved back in with my parents. Only my parents relocated from Ohio to Alabama. Just so you know, huge culture difference. I know many of you are laughing right now, but I definitely had a culture shock. So not only did I move back in with my parents, I moved to the South, to a small town, where I, like a person like myself, was overqualified for most jobs there. And wouldn't you know it, I had my first nervous breakdown. What? I clearly had different expectations for myself. And at this point, I did not meet those expectations. I'm living at home, jobless, with a college degree. Really, I didn't know what my purpose was. I went to bed around 2 a.m. and I got up around 10 a.m. Or later. What else was I to do? How many of you are feeling like this? How many of you have ever felt this way? You felt like you have no purpose. Or you're about to break. Yep, I broke. Again. I still struggle with throwing up occasionally. But at least it wasn't all the time. One day out of the blue, one of my music buddies told me about a job opening for a first grade teacher position at a private school right outside of Philadelphia. I figured, this must be exactly what God is calling me to do. A first grade teacher is what I became. That lasted for only a year before I realized that wasn't what God was calling me to do. Second nervous breakdown happened. I would tell you about it, but the short story is denial of feelings about my past and throwing up a lot. You would think I would have learned by now, but no! So, I moved back home again. Quickly, life began to get brighter. Alabama didn't seem so bad anymore. It was a matter of days that I got a job at a local bank, joined the local theater group, took up Taekwondo, and made new friends. I even rekindled a friendship, Eric, with the guy I always wanted to marry. This part of my life is good. I was singing again. I got to perform in many local shows and festivities. And the guy I always wanted to marry? asked me to marry him! Life is good! All these things really started to help my confidence build back up, especially working towards my black belt in Taekwondo, which, by the way, I got two days before we got married. For the first time since high school, I felt like I had purpose. Part 3. It Gets Worse Before It Gets Better I am officially on cloud nine. I just got my black belt in taekwondo. I just got married to the man of my dreams and the honeymoon was the first time I let myself actually relax. Finally, I have complete peace. But this peace was short-lived. As soon as we got back from the honeymoon, my husband went back to work and I found myself I had nothing to go back to. We were living in a brand new home. My husband had a good job and I, well, I had a clean house. If there were five pieces of laundry, I did it. Dishes were always done and the floors were always swept. I also had a lot of time on my hands now i love my husband more than words can say but there was a part of me still wounded and broken i had realized that i needed to stay busy and you probably can tell that i have manic depression if i had alone if i had time alone thoughts of my past would haunt me and lay heavy on my heart tears would flow and thoughts of not being good enough and feeling unworthy were overwhelming so I got a job and the word quickly spread that I was a music teacher. I joined the choir and became active in our church. My music business grew to 40 lessons a week and oftentimes more as needed. So I knew how to make myself busy. Well, the worst part is about to come. Just married over two years and I got pregnant which sounds exciting to many of you out there. But I wasn't excited. I had already had a hard time with my health adjusting to Kentucky. I even came down with what's known as Kentucky crud. If you're from Kentucky or have ever lived there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it lasted for months. I had a bout with salmonella food poisoning which caused extreme muscle pain to where I couldn't even walk and then I had two ovarian cysts pop at the same time. I thought I was going to die from the pain. These misfortunes were back to back. Well, now I'm pregnant. Can't my body get a break? I thought I wasn't supposed to get pregnant. I didn't want to be pregnant. I was okay not having kids. I was six weeks pregnant before I told my husband. I cried. Actually, that's an understatement. After I worked up enough courage to tell my husband we were going to have a baby... I found myself only thinking about this childhood tragedy. I didn't want my child to go through the same thing. I definitely feared the worst. There were many days where I cried 12 to 18 hours a day. Oftentimes, my husband would come home from work and sit on the other side of the bathroom door and wait for me. And sometimes even cry with me. I seriously was mad at my circumstances, and these were circumstances I couldn't change. During the first trimester and into the second, I remember hoping that I would have a miscarriage. There, I said it. I was in such a dark place in my mind that I was okay having a miscarriage. So every time I went to the bathroom, I checked to see if there were any signs of one. Something dark came over me. Now... I am a person of faith, and I do believe in God and His grace and mercy. But at this time, I had someone tell me that I wasn't reading scriptures enough. And that, well, that only made me mad at God. Lip-talk nation, this is not a wise thing to say to someone when they are depressed, regardless if it's true or not. I never stopped talking to God. But the conversations, well, the conversations were, Why me? And then I thought I was being punished and deserved all the pain I was feeling, mentally and physically. Early on in the second trimester, I began to have contractions. I had an overactive thyroid and constantly going in for blood work. Thankfully, I had a very sweet friend, our pastor's wife at the time, who was there for me during this time, who would go with me to the doctor's appointments when my husband couldn't and even took me to see a therapist. I literally couldn't function. I got to the point where I hated sleeping and I hated waking up. It seemed like everything made me sad or angry. I had the plan to run away, literally. It had nothing to do with me not loving my husband, but it had everything to do with me wanting to run away from me. But I knew I couldn't. The therapist actually was the one to tell me that I would figure things out. She didn't even give me any exercises to do, which actually comes into play later. But maybe in another episode, I will talk about that. And my doctor, well, my doctor put me on Prozac just so I could cope. But I got to say, I only took one pill. I couldn't take them, not while I was pregnant, I'm actually really glad I didn't for many reasons I'm sure all of you can figure out. I clearly didn't know how to deal with my past. Everything made me sad. Contractions picked up, and I ended up in the ER. Yep, they hooked the belt up, and it said the contractions were about two minutes apart. They gave me the meds to stop the contractions, and well, the meds didn't work. But the good news was that I wasn't dilating so I was sent home and put on semi-bed rest and monitored often so now not only do I not want to be pregnant I can't get certain images out of my head and I'm also having contractions FYI they weren't Braxton Hicks contractions which many people loved giving their two cents about and they wanted to tell me to suck it up and blah 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 all I can say is You have no idea. My blood pressure was also running on the low side, and I would often get tunnel vision. Oh, and I don't want to forget about telling you all about the throwing up part. I did that too the whole pregnancy. The only thing besides seeing my husband that gave me hope was music. I would sit down and I would write songs. I would cry while playing the piano. But one of the blessings during this time was music. While teaching, I discovered that I could help others write music, and I developed my own method. Well, that's for a different day. Lip Talk Nation, many of you are in a dark place right now. I'm going to take a moment and beg you to listen to that small voice inside of you that is crying for help. I had that small voice, and it constantly was crying for help. I just chose to ignore it. It was a long nine-month pregnancy, and finally, we gave birth to our daughter. And might I add, it was a water birth, and it was a beautiful baby girl, and her name is Sydney Carrington Sprague. I know that some of you listening may think that I was just being selfish during all of this. You know, I was taught this too. I was taught that depression is a selfish act. Well... Regardless of what that mindset is and what your mindset is, this is something you should never, ever say to someone depressed. I am asking you to not tell anyone that they are being selfish while they are depressed. But I didn't know how to get rid of the images playing over and over again in my head. I didn't know how to bring a child into this world when I couldn't even take care of myself. Somehow, when Sydney was born, I found a bigger purpose. I suddenly had a reason to survive. As you can imagine, I suffered with postpartum depression as well. The first several weeks were very difficult for me to even walk. I broke my tailbone during labor. I didn't know you could even do that. My husband went back to work and no instructions on how to care for a crying baby or a baby that doesn't like sleeping. I was told that babies slept. Mine didn't. Can any of you out there Lip Talk Nation relate to this? I would love to know if there are more of you out there and I want to know that you all understand too. My husband and I had to take turns rocking her just so she would sleep. My mom has suggested white noise to use, and so we used a recording of a vacuum cleaner. It really does work. Now, I still had a very successful music business through all of this. My students were great, and I still miss them. I learned from them maybe even more than they learned from me. So for another year and a half, I was surviving. Then, I got pregnant with our son. Well, I'm going to keep this part of the story short. I didn't cry as much, but everything else was the same. Only, I had a toddler to deal with as well, and I had more contractions, and I had a mini heat stroke. At this point, I was trying to convince myself that I was getting better. Mentally, that is. See how easy it is to lie to yourself? I got really good at it. I'm pretty sure that many of you out there are the same way, I think the only thing I knew how to do since I first shared with my friend about my past was to survive. I really want to point out that if it wasn't for my parents and my husband, I wouldn't be the person I am today. They prayed for me and believed in me more than I can describe to you. I knew that I had to be content with where God had us. So I did reach out to younger girls and I mentored them. I was honest about my feelings and my past. I really thought that that was enough for me to heal. Wrong again. When push comes to shove, I believe God forced me to confront my fears. A year after our son Christian was born, my husband got a promotion at work, which led us to Florida. We were super excited, and I thought this was exactly what we needed to do, and It was, but not for the reasons I thought. I secretly still wanted to run away from my problems. Well, this is exactly where I faced them. So if I mentioned the fact... So have I mentioned the fact that I live with chronic pain yet? Well, now you know. This included lockjaw and all other joints in the body. My pain level actually got worse when we moved to Florida. And so did my depression. I now found myself not wanting to get out of bed, and my body was in high pain. I had constant painful stiff necks and stayed in my PJs all week. I took the occasional shower and brushed my teeth. Well, the worst day finally came, where my mind and feelings reconnected. I was having an I'm-mad-at-the-world-and-wondering-why-God-would-give-me-any-talent-and-then-not-let-me-use-it kind of day when I went to pick my 17-month-old out of the high chair and my back completely locked up on me with extreme pain. I couldn't move no matter what I did. My daughter Sydney had to bring me my phone so I could call Eric and then I had to ask Christian to climb down the high chair onto me then onto the floor. Eric came home and took me to the chiropractor. I couldn't handle the pain any more. That's when I realized my kids were watching me suffer, both physically and mentally. It was time to change. Part 4. Forgiveness. It's not for them, it's for me. Here we are living in Florida. My husband has a new job and we have a new life. But to have a fresh start, I had to decide I didn't want to suffer any more. So I reached out to a friend that I had recently met right before we moved from Kentucky. This friend of mine plays a huge role in my healing process, and I love her more than words can say as well. The reason why I reached out to her was she was the one who would call me and ask me how I was doing not even knowing me for very long, and we were long-distance friends more than anything. But something stood out to me when we talked. She was always happy, and I wanted to be happy too. So I called her. Our conversation led to a nutritional resolution. She told me about a specific plant, Moringa oleifera, that just might be able to help. After my husband and I did a ton of research on it, We decided to give it a try. It was only a matter of days after I began adding valuable nutrition to my body that my mind was clear for the first time, which is a big deal when I was considered bipolar. It was then I knew my life would never be the same. My dear friend introduced many valuable tools to me as well, including personal development. I began a routine of scripture reading and personal development. And after a few weeks of this routine, it was then that I realized I had a choice to become better as a person. This is where that Jim Rohn quote comes in from episode two. Don't wish it were easier, wish you were better. Don't wish it were easier, but pray for more skills. So that's exactly what I started doing. I started praying for more skills. Now, I'm on the journey back up. About a year of taking care of myself with good nutrition, there was one thing that was still ailing me. And that? Well, that was my lockjaw, TMJ. As a singer, that's a huge deal. It started affecting my singing and eating. In fact, it got to be where I had to choose. By this time, I had become pretty active at our church on the music team and led worship on Sunday nights at a community service, and I was also teaching music. Well, I knew I had to eat to live, but I loved singing too. I'm telling you, it was a tough choice. After a couple close calls of passing out, or after I sang, I couldn't chew my food. Well, I'm a person who loves understanding things, And I think it's a gift, so I wanted to understand why I had locked jaw, and I knew you had to eat food to survive. January of this year, 2015, is when it hit me that I've had this issue since the very first day I shared my past with someone. Could it be that I was punishing myself for not telling someone about this horrible tragedy when I was a young child? It absolutely was. I really want to pause right here for the moment and ask you all a question, Lip Talk Nation. Are you punishing yourself for something you didn't do? Maybe it was a tragedy during your childhood. Or maybe it was the loss of a loved one. Or an accident you couldn't prevent. Are you punishing yourself for something you have no control over? Honestly, I thought that the only person I had to forgive was the person who molested me. I gotta say that I was doing pretty well at it, but I was told that forgiveness isn't for the other person, but for myself. I reached out to a mentor of mine to discuss what was going on, and he introduced me to a beautiful person who knew exactly what I needed to do. I remember we were sitting in Panera Bread when she said, ''Sounds like you need to pray the prayer of forgiveness for yourself.'' I'm like, ''What?'' I thought that was just something you did was to literally forgive yourself. She said, yes, and asked me to repeat after her. Talk about the power of the mind. When I was repeating her, I barely could get the words out because I knew I hadn't forgiven myself. I struggled. I cried right in front of people. But at the end of that prayer... My jaws unlocked. So, I have to point out that forgiveness includes forgiving yourself. Almost 17 years of suffering with TMJ, all because I was punishing myself. That's when this beautiful person also shared with me 2 Timothy 1 7. God did not give you a spirit of fear but of power, and she emphasized the word power and love and of a sound mind. True forgiveness fell upon me that day. I finally forgave myself for something I didn't even do. Lip Talk Nation, you have a choice. I was bitter towards myself, and I didn't know it. I was punishing myself in all kinds of physical ways. I really want to take a moment and point out something very important. Many of you may be ignoring or suppressing a tragedy in your life. Again, it could be a loss of a loved one, or you're a victim of rape, or child molestation, or anything. But if you are ignoring it, you are choosing to relive it every single day of your life. Your subconscious always knows. I've spoken with many people, Who think if they go and get help, they have to relive their story? By not getting help, you are reliving that pain. You are reliving that tragedy. I'm posing the question, have you forgiven yourself? No, it's not easy. But you can do it. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I became an accidental bulimic. I developed lockjaw, which is TMJ. I had an unknown cause for chronic pain. I suffered with manic depression, which is now known as bipolar. Maybe all because I was punishing myself. So maybe you're asking who to forgive. Is it them or yourself? Well, the answer is both. Part 5 The healing begins. At the beginning of this year, which really isn't too long ago, I finally chose to forgive myself. My jaws unlocked. To be straight up with you, I thought they would always be that way. Arthritis already started to settle in the joints and I prayed for release, but I didn't know that it was up to me to release them. Once I learned what true forgiveness was all about, I began to allow myself to fully heal. Lip Talk Nation, let me walk you through what I did to overcome this tragedy. I would like to point out that this wasn't about material things that helped me overcome this, but it was all about the mind. First, I had to decide to get better. It really is a choice. You have to say enough is enough. This really is the hardest step. Through all my research, after I decided I want to become stronger, I have found that in my depression, I was only feeding the wrong information to my brain. So I had to replace it with different and positive information. Now this became easier when I started a proper diet and adding a good source of nutrition to my lifestyle. The second thing I did after I decided I want to get better was I started my day with a good mental food routine. This includes scripture reading, praying, and reading or listening to a personal development book. So now I provided myself with nutrition both physically and mentally. Investing in yourself is important. I need all of you to understand that you have to take care of yourself first before you can take others. It really is about loving yourself. If you don't, you will soon have nothing left to give. A part of this routine is reaching out to others. So find a mentor and be a mentor. The third thing I did was I started saying affirmations. Now you may think that this is a new age thing or that is a very selfish thing, but I want to point out that you already talk to yourself whether you realize it or not. You will hear me talk about this all the time. So along with good nutrition for your mind and body, you need to start telling yourself positive things. I used to think I was unworthy and didn't deserve happiness. Some of my informations include scriptures such as Philippians 4.13, and 2 Timothy 1, 1.7, one of the hardest affirmations for me was to say, I am beautiful. I am challenging you right now, if you have suffered from any kind of tragedy or you're feeling unworthy, to say this affirmation. And I want you to say it over and over again. I have found in my research that you need to say it at least 12 times out loud before the subconscious hears you. I got to tell you, I wept when I got to number four on this specific affirmation, but I continued and I continued and now I can say it. And I want you to know that it's not in a prideful way, but in the confidence that I am wonderfully made and so are you. Maybe many of you listening right now are struggling with something very similar. I had no idea until recently. That I was sabotaging myself with negative talk. Telling yourself positive things and loving yourself is not being prideful. Maybe you all don't know the difference between confidence and pride like I did. But you can learn the difference. You can get better because I did. So let me recap my story. At 20, I let the cat out of the bag about my past. I began to throw up and started to develop lockjaw because I tried to suppress it and ignore it. I became disconnected from my mind and feelings. In my early 30s, horrible depression set in. I had the plan to run away and wanted to have a miscarriage. In my mid-30s, My body locked up on me, so I couldn't even pick up my child out of the high chair. And then my jaws were locking up on me to where I had to choose between singing or eating. Out with the old, in with the new. I've got to the point where I have forgiven myself, and I am that girl with the purple hair. I am extroverted. I do help others. I have taken the time to share my vulnerability, not just for myself, but for you, because I want you to know that if I can conquer this, so can you. If I can learn that forgiveness isn't about the other person, but for myself and take the necessary steps to become stronger, then all of you can too. It is my mission in life to take my life experiences and help others conquer what it is that you are dealing with. You are highly intelligent. And if you are suffering from depression or anxiety, you are only feeding the wrong information to your brain. I can help you. There is hope. Now, Lip Talk Nation, this story was me being vulnerable with you. Sharing something like this takes a lot. It takes willpower, confidence, and bravery And since I took the leap, now it's your turn. I want to hear from you. Yes, I said it because I have been there and I know how to help you regardless of what you're going through. So Lip Talk Nation, please go to my website, which is liptalknation.com and find the button to set up a call with me. I would love to hear from you and together we will get through this. Thank you for taking the time to listen to my story and I hope I have been transparent and vulnerable with you so you understand that I have gone through many, many peaks and valleys and if you are able to forgive not only the other person but to be able to forgive yourself then I can certainly help you overcome whatever is standing in the way of greatness. As Always, Lip Talk Nation. What you say is what you become.